0: Hard smash and one that's very, very hard to handle. He's going over to it and if he doesn't feel the just exactly right or guess where it's going about just right, why going to go for a base hit? That ball hit and didn't come up. Bunted low in the knees and out the center It is Friday and you are listening to episode number 85 of the BBA today. I am Ron Collins, the general manager of the Yellow Springs Nine, and today I have with me Long Beach general manager Stephen Lane, and we're going to have some fun digging into, oh, free agency and Rule Five and whatever. It's it's early in the year, early in the off season, and and we're going to just kind of see what kind of damage we can do. Stephen, thank you for taking some time here this evening. I know you're just getting off of adding to the GNP, and and uh, you know I appreciate that.
1: Well, you're you're welcome, Ron. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's a pleasure to to you know take time to dedicate to the B uh, the BBA instead of uh, the GNP. So, uh,
0: <laughs> well, you know, if you don't keep the country rolling, I just won't have the time to focus on the BBA either. So, you know, it's very selfish <laughs> of me to to uh, to thank you that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely got to strike a balance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we're uh, going to talk a little bit about free agency uh, here today. It is, what, uh, mid-December. We're getting ready for the official winter meetings and Rule 5. Um, I guess before we jump into Rule 5 things, um, I've been looking a very little bit at Rule 5, or at, at uh, free agency things. I've been looking a little at Rule 5, uh, which I think is going to be actually quite interesting this year. Um The main feeling I get when I look at it, uh, we don't really have cap space slash um, 40-man roster space uh, available, and I know you guys in Long Beach are in a similar situation, at least roster size, so the market itself may be a little bit wonky and weird um, or limited. The other aspect, though, is I think a lot of the kind of good middling draft classes are creating Rule 5 pools that might have more candidates in them than they usually have, um, which makes this a – I'm very interested to see what happens in Rule 5. Have you – kind of what are your thoughts on – what do you expect out of teams fiddling around in Rule 5? We have also a lot of teams kind of on the bottom who might have a couple of holes to fill.
1: Uh, yeah, we definitely. It, it definitely seems like there's a a lot of a lot of prospects here that um, that are really, you know, like you said, kind of middling, but you know, also very well developed. So you could definitely see some of those teams, um, you know, with some holes to fill, um, finding some gems in here that could. Um, that could actually contribute and and stick on a forty man roster for the whole season.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking a couple of teams. You know, the Portlands and the El Paso's come in mind directly. Although I feel like El Paso may be a little bit ahead of the curve from Portland. Um, you know, and uh, uh, Valencia was down a bit. They may have some some holes to fill. That guys that would actually stick on, not you know, and actually contribute into a team that's coming up the cycle. I also wonder about uh, the commissioner, Matt Rechtenwald, uh, is like a maestro in finding guys who he can just plug in for a season and help him come up the curve. Las Vegas is one of those teams that I think is at a tipping point apex or whatever, not apex, tipping point for moving out of rebuild into compete mode. Um, So uh, I don't have any great Depth, the depth of wisdom when it comes to these guys. But I will say that I'm actually looking forward to seeing Rule Five more than I have most years. So, anyway,
1: yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be a good one to to look at. I, you know, as you said, I'm maxed out on my roster space, so I'll, you know, kind of be able to just sit back and, uh, you know, enjoy this one and you know maybe cross my fingers that uh, I don't lose anybody that uh, was right on the bubble for me. Yeah, see, the thing
0: is, every time I lose anybody, they immediately become somebody who is on my bubble. It always annoys me to have to lose somebody. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm, I'm a, Ted ver- a Ted-like hoarder when it comes to players. I don't like to lose them. So uh, anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about free agency uh, before we dig into, uh, I'm thinking we maybe talk about it division by division. Um, but before we dig into any particular division or signings or players, um, kind of, top level what were your thoughts as you sat down in long beach uh last you know a couple of game weeks ago entering into free agency what do you think of the class and um what were you expecting
1: um you know i think the the class is pretty similar to what we've seen the past few years um a few big names um you know a, a a lot of a lot of depth to it i think but you know depth being you know role players and and kind of the middle of the road guys um we you know we did have some some big names um signed so far and and still out there that we'll we'll get to um but <laughs> it's it's you know i i, I kind of just peg it as a, a pretty average class that we're used to seeing um for the past few years
0: yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd actually put one or two more names at the in the big, uh, you know, big name bin than perhaps usual. But uh, I will definitely say over the past five seasons that free agency, uh, and maybe it's four or six, I don't know. That free agency itself, the the classes have seemed to get uh, stronger, and so that probably bodes uh, is a result of that super youth movement that the league had. Uh, some time ago, you know, where most much of the draft classes were teenagers and, and things like that. So we're seeing some ramifications of that. I think the two super names that have already signed that we can probably spend some time talking about are, of course, Aki Kondo and David Simpson. We um, have uh, Felicio Rafael, uh, Rafael, Feliciano Rafael. It's Friday and my tongue
1: is taking the weekend. It's already, it's already on the weekend. Um, well, well, you know, you do so many podcasts, and uh, <laughs> I, you you got to understand your your tongue might not be able to keep up all the time.
0: <laughs> I'm on a run, so uh, so I think those are kind of the three biggest names that are out there. I've also was interested uh, before we jump into the BBA to the more fun signings over in the Umeba. Diesel Dave going to Cairo in Yashardo uh, Rashardo Yashardo Rashardo see it's that Friday tongue thing <sighs> Mene uh, goes to Beirut um that was that was kind of fun um, I was not expecting Diesel Dave
1: in the uh Umeba, but I am dying to see what he does out there Absolutely I mean, Diesel Dave is is you know kind of a Uh, a fan favorite these days and uh definitely you could see big things um out of the amoeba from him this year (laughs) can't can't
0: wait to see the middle east tabloids with diesel dave all-star uh going out on the town every night after the games it just makes me chuckle (laughs) absolutely (laughs) But well, hey, let's uh, maybe let's start in your homeland of the Frick Pacific, uh, where there have been uh, quite a few signings, actually, in this first two rounds of free agency. Uh, I should note that we are, we are what we finished two rounds of free agency. We'll have one more and then the international IFAs will sign and um, then a third. And at that stage, we'll be in spring training, so we're a little under halfway through the free agents market. Um, I thought maybe I'd like to chat a little about what about what you think about who I think is the biggest mover and shaker right now in the league, and that is San Fernando signing Aki Kondo and riding on top of that the trade where they picked up poor, uh, George Moreno, Jorge Moreno. Uh, suddenly they the top of that rotation looks pretty stout. What do you think as a fellow Pacific um, uh, contender there?
1: Uh, yeah, it's definitely you know San Fernando we've I think we've all gotten used to uh, you know it's almost a meme at this point, but uh, they can hit but they can't pitch um, And uh, with the condo and uh, Moreno signings, or the condo signing in the Moreno trade, it definitely, um, it definitely changes the game, uh, in San Fernando. Um, you know, as a, as a Pacific, uh, competitor here, uh, I don't really like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i got to admit. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, for uh, condo, at least, um, you know, I can see, uh, I can see that contract, the way it's structured, sort of, um, tying Randy's hands a little bit, um, over the next uh over the next few years um especially being that he's 31 years old um you know he's got a nice say go
0: ahead the back end of that definitely uh three three million for the first year though is a very sweet sweet number (laughs) uh but yeah i think the back end of it could uh, be a little bit limiting pardon me especially uh as a starting pitcher gets a little bit older, you start to worry about injury and things like that. But if you're going to ha- put all your eggs in one basket, Aki Kondo's basket is a pretty one, pretty good one to, to put him in right now. Um, I can't remember exactly where he sits in Randy's, um, you know, top 100, but it's up there pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He does, you know, he he's 31, actually almost 32. He'll be 32 for the start of the season. Um, mm and uh you know he does have a a good ways to fall down with both his stuff and his um control um so you know he'll be he'll be what 37 38 at the end of the year at the end of the deal with no uh no opt-outs or or options um but uh we imagine that's not really what uh randy's going for here um so for the next few years i'm definitely uh not not thrilled to uh be facing him multiple times a year.
0: Yeah. Well we'll see. Uh he probably has created a problem for himself down the line, but that's probably a problem that he can the the he can manage around. You can manage around one tough contract, especially once you keep your once you get your budget up. And um and the San Fernando budget is not massively high right now, but if he keeps winning, then you would expect that to go up and all that other good stuff. Three other teams have been active in the Pacific, uh, including your own Long Beach, who picked up Hector Cruz, who I think is a uh, highly underrated, uh, undervalued uh, outfielder, and uh, veteran Abdel Wahab Kamade. Um, Center fielder, I would assume he's going to be more a fourth outfielder for you, but I'm interested in your uh, perspective there. Uh, Portland went on a shortstop binge and picked up not only one shortstop, but three, it looks like. <laughs>
1: they
0: sure <laughs> uh, did. I, I'd be very interested in what you're thinking, Chris might be thinking, when it comes to picking up three shortstops. Uh, but I'm actually most, uh, second most interested, really, in Valencia picking up uh, George Garcia, who uh, spent about half of the season on my roster in Yellow Springs last year, and Dashiell Fairborn at shortstop, who I feel are both um, guys who can step in and, and provide some value to a team like Valencia. I'm not so bought on Raul Alilia, Alilia, Alilia. Um, my Midwestern tongue on Friday is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but could be an interesting bit player uh, when you look at those. Uh, uh, let's start with your own Long Beach uh, signing of both Cruz and Kamade. What are what are on your mind and how do you see them fitting into your plans?
1: Yeah, so I'm bringing back mostly the same team that's won the, the Pacific now uh, back-to-back, um, but I did have uh, Millard Younger execute his opt-out which was uh, mostly by design um so while he played very well for me i'm i'm happy to uh to get that cap space back and use it in a different way um and uh i'm really excited about uh, hector cruz coming in you know like you said i'm just astounded that uh that he took that uh, two and a half million um dollar contract um (laughs) he's uh he's he's not a superstar obviously but um you know primarily i got him because he can really hit left handers at least theoretically um and he should be able to hold his hold his own against righties if if i need him there as well um so i'm you know hoping that a lot of his struggles has just been um you know maybe morale related um on some des moines teams that have you know not been great um (laughs) And uh, you know he did have a great finish to the year with Charlotte. He did so. Um, very excited about him. Um, helped me shore up my my hitting against lefties. And uh, with Kamade, um, he you know he's probably going to be my full time center fielder for at least the first um, month or two months of the season until I get Al Garrett back from an injury. Um, and uh, you know after that, you know probably be a fourth outfielder defensive guy. Um, yeah, you know I think he can still hit at least uh, you know at least enough. Yeah, so,
0: he's a useful guy. He's a yeah. nice guy to to put on the on the team. And um, as I remember right, his contract is not uh, bothersome. It was one and a half million something in that. Yeah, one and a half million one
1: and a half plus for a, a year, uh, yeah.
0: achievable but not likely to achieve bonus at uh, yep. five hundred and fifty plate appearances. Uh, let's just say if you have to have him achieve that 550 plate appearances, you may have other issues. (laughs) Um, And on (laughs) the other hand, if you end up wanting him to achieve the 550 plate appearance um, mark, then that's actually a good sign for you. So it's a, it's a nice little contract.
1: Yeah. It's a little uh, win-win I think.
0: (laughs) So what do you think about Valencia's ads? Are you as, uh, have you been paying attention to them? What are your thoughts on, on, um, um, Oh, geez, Garcia and Fairborn.
1: Yeah, I definitely, um, you know, with the, you know, it was definitely a a, um, a sign of, of the direction of the team when they signed Haney to the extension. Um, so it's not a surprise at all to see him kind of um, adding here um, instead of tearing down. Um, Garcia is a, a good pitcher, um, you know, not uh, not my type with the movement. Um but it's a good, uh, it's a really good contract, um, and uh, you know if he can, uh, if he can kind of, you know, I don't know if he's planning to use him as a starter or a swing man or, or a reliever. But that's um, definitely, um, it's definitely some talent there on a good contract. And uh, Fairborn, well, you know, Fairborn's got a little bit of a history <laughs> in Long Beach. Um, he, uh, he was not a fan. Um, <laughs> And uh, but did have a, you know, pretty good comeback season last year. So, um, you know, it's definitely um, with the defense, you know, he can play and uh, it'll just be a matter of if he he likes hitting in Valencia or not.
0: Yeah, I think that's the I'd be willing to bet that if anyone had taken a poll at the end of the 24, uh, 2044 season after his time in Long Beach was over, uh, and said, "Is Dashiell Fairborn going to be long for the BBA?" The answer would have been, "Hell no, he won't go." <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> um,
0: but uh, but in Phoenix, his offense was just enough, and it was uh, I think Ted and I talked. I think it was Ted and I who was talking about him. Uh, the big number for him was that on base percentage of 337. Um If he can repeat that in Valencia, then he can keep playing. Um, uh, Daniel, Dashiell Fairborn's defense will play as long as his on-base percentage at least is um, palatable. <laughs> you yeah, know, you can throw him into the number eight or number nine hole and let him do that for for a long time as long as he can play that defense. So
1: yeah, and he's one of those guys that you know even though he doesn't have that ten or eleven position rating at short, he's really superior there, um, which is. You know, kind of uncommon. But yeah, uh, he's
0: got the full boat of additional ratings that uh, allow him to to still be elite, even though his range doesn't look like it'll be quite elite. So yeah, um, interesting player. And the in the the sixty four million dollar question for the stars is how much will his uh, defensive improvement at shortstop make those pictures look better? You know. That's in my mind. That's always a question I start getting into when I dig into a pitching staff is how much of it is really the pitching and how much of it is the defense. And um, um, look at look only as far as Rockville last year. To <laughs> I mean that pitching staff kind of cratered. Certainly they didn't have the talent that that uh, the Cannon and Dempster group had, but the defense went off the edge. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard yeah, to definitely. put it all on the
1: arms. So. Right. It's, you know, and kind of just looking through the Valencia staff, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, neutral um, pitchers here as opposed to, you know, ground ballers or fly ballers. So, yeah. um, you know, with uh, some improved defense on the infield from Fairborn, absolutely, that's going to that's gonna help those pitchers out. Yeah.
0: Okay. One liner hot take. What in the hell is going on in Portland with three shortstops?
1: <laughs> uh, I, are we? Uh, you know, maybe we're exploiting a uh, market uh, inefficiency here and hoping to uh, uh, hoping to trade these guys away for some uh, <laughs> prospects at the at the dra- trade deadline.
0: Your guess is as um, good as mine. I'd be very <laughs> interested to see who sticks and, and uh, what they're going to do there. So. Uh, Chris Wilson is has got his uh, mad scientist hat on and figuring something out there. I, I don't know whether that's a, uh, you know, Kate Fiscus has a set of favorites <laughs> or or what. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's uh, take a quick move down into the, say, we want to do the Johnson Atlantic.
1: That sounds good.
0: Um what do you think the most interesting signing is in the Johnson Atlantic? He says horribly. <laughs> well,
1: I, I, you know, I, I I really think that that uh, Enrique Hernandez uh, signing for now. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, very clearly uh, you've got your headliner there um, with uh, Mr. Horrible Simpson um, going to uh, going to Jacksonville, um, and you know that's a that's a statement.
0: Absolutely. That is a statement. It's not one that I actually expected, but it. The more I look at it, the more in my mind it makes some uh, reasonable sense. Although that the end of you talk about the end of the condo contract, the end of the Simpson contract could be um, a little more difficult to get around. at What's he paying twenty eight million dollars at the end of uh, at the end of Simpson's horrible of Horrible's reign? Um, but Jacksonville has been a pretty young team for a while. Uh, I think. That Greg is building a new stadium, if I remember doing the PPT thing, right? So his fan interest should be bumping. Uh, his young team is beginning to get into the framework of of competing possibly. Uh, I think he had a much worse season last year than he was expecting. And actually, than I was expecting the other thing that strikes me is that he actually still ends up, even with this signing, he still ends up with about twenty four million dollars of cap space left. It looks like to me if I'm doing my math right, so he may not be done building um, is me guessing but
1: yeah, you know and and i I would hope so that you know they don't have a they don't have a budget that's you know overwhelming. Uh, but they do have the budget over the over the salary cap, so it you know you would hope that uh, that he's able to find uh, find some pieces to to bring him to the cap and um, you know starting that outfield with with Simpson and um, you know some solid bats in the rest of the lineup. It's definitely um, I could definitely see Jacksonville taking a big step forward um, in the Atlantic for 2046. One would, one
0: would definitely expect the uh, Simpsons offense, which was already pretty solid in a defensive minded park in Sacramento, took a step up in twin cities or about equal. Very interested to see what he's going to do in Jacksonville's park that slightly encourages left-handed hitting. So, um, that's going to be, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, Greg has made me intrigued now in what's happening in Jacksonville. Um, If it's going to it's if it's going to crash and burn, it's going to crash and burn spectacularly, which I think is kind of fun. Um, So, yeah,
1: absolutely. I I could see Simpson, uh, you know, putting up a 50 home run season, um, you know, quite, uh, quite easily. Actually, he ended up with 48 last year.
0: So the whole Atlantic is just an interesting uh, mash pit right now. I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm looking forward to seeing well, whoever is going to end up doing the um, media guide right up on the Atlantic. I'm I'm probably going to read that one first.
1: Uh. <laughs> yeah, I never I never envy uh, never envy the the person that does those previews, but especially when uh, you've got a division like this that's uh, really really bunched up.
0: Well, you make mention Charm City, Enrique Hernandez. Um, that one actually kind of I scratched my head a little bit about adding Enrique Hernandez unless he's going to be a utility kind of a guy. Um, I can't see Enrique Hernandez beating out Wilson Andrade for a uh, shortstop slot. So um, there's there's that. Uh, and then we've also got Brooklyn adding Dwayne Whitley Jr. at third base. Um, what are your what are your thoughts about those two adds?
1: Yeah, um, for Charm City with um, with Enrique Hernandez, uh, I definitely, uh, I actually had my eyes on him as, as someone that I could kind of grab and then just plug in all over the infield on any given day and, mm-hmm. you know, get rest and, and play matchups. Um, so, you know, while I don't really see an everyday spot for him on, on the Jimmy's roster, I think that, um, you know, Pretty much any team in the league could find playing time for for someone like him, and uh, you know for two and a half million. Yeah, um, and the interesting for, thing about the
0: two and a half million is four years. Right.
1: Yeah, it's um you know I, it's a lot of years to to contribute to somebody who's kind of been a you know up and down um, player as far as you know does he hit enough to. Uh, to support his, his defense all over the diamond. Um, but it makes you know, me ponder, it so. makes me
0: ponder whether he becomes a trade chip before yeah, the end yeah. of the year is out.
1: Yeah, that absolutely. I mean, you know, anybody that can, they can play shortstop um, becomes a pretty good trade chip, And uh, you know, when you add on all that other defensive ability, um, right. you could definitely see that.
0: And Dwayne Whitley in Portland. How's he fit? Or in Portland? In Brooklyn? I
1: get... Yeah. Uh, sorry, navigating here. One <laughs> second. Had the uh, the good old uh, cat uh, cat on the there on the go. laptop. I like
0: that. Thirty-four uh, year old Dwayne Whitley Jr. signs in Brooklyn for three point eight, three point eight, in a team option, three point eight behind a vesting option, three point eight. So. One can be pretty certain that uh, at thirty-five year, thirty-four years old, so he'll be playing at thirty-five uh, next year. It would be pretty, uh, pretty shocking if he actually ends up seeing four years on this deal. But still, a couple of seasons for a uh, guy who should be probably a one and a half to two WAR kind of player. Knock on wood. Yeah,
1: he's he's definitely still got that uh, that ability to hit right-handed pitching. Um, he plays, uh, you know, just enough defense if you want to put him at third, um, and uh, you know you can you can slide him over to first if uh, if you need to give Art O'Brien a day off. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a fine it's a fine deal. I don't know that uh, you know if I was Brooklyn that I'd be rushing out to uh, to sign him, um, but uh, you know. Does give them a little nice little popularity boost and, uh, um, you know,
0: yep, yeah, yeah. Atlantic City added a couple of relief pitchers to their bullpen, um, probably makes some sense. I don't know that either Norm McConnell or, or Algate Ballon, uh, although Ballon is a pretty solid reliever who just seemed to have a, have a, uh, nothing, have a medium, mediocre year last year. Uh, certainly McConnell and Ballon will help. Atlantic City, but it feels like they need more help to me just from the outside looking in. Um, so I'm really interested to see what happens in Atlantic City. The other concern that I have though is that they seem to be kind of uh, not quite capped out. They still have nine or 10 million bucks left on their salary cap, but they feel like they need to do more damage than nine or 10 million. Um, so I'm, what are your
1: thoughts? Yeah, I you know I kind of agree with with what you're getting at there. I I think you know with the uh, what is it about 11 million um, that they spent here, and and they've got about 10 million left. You know I think with that 18 to 20 million, I probably would have tried to target uh, one of the starters um, to kind of fill out the rotation here, um, because that you know does seem to kind of be a a weakness on the roster, um, you know, at least as I, as I kind of peruse here. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a, a fan of building a strong bullpen and, and Balloon is, is a good one. And, uh, McConnell as well. Um, so. Yeah.
0: And actually, you know, the, the thing that I, that I wonder, and I'm not in Joshua Biddle's head, so what do I know? Um, both of these guys are pretty good Relief pitchers, but both of them are also uh, high stamina, high durability guys. If they can actually go out and get 150 innings apiece out of them, then they essentially become a starter and a half, kind of a kind of a tandem. So there could be a uh, kind of pile of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, depending on usage patterns there. So it. Um, if I'm reading the tea leaves, I'm thinking that Atlantic City is uh, likely going to try to use them as you know big inning relievers and uh, duplicate the uh, Cornelio Lozano kind of seasons.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a good observation there. And uh, um, yeah, that's you know if you if you are able to get those innings out of them, then that's definitely. Um, gives you a lot more bang for your buck there um, because they're not the, you know, not the cheapest of relievers. Uh, Not that they're not worth it, but, um, you know, you do want to make sure you get your, get your innings out of them. Yeah. And that leads us to um, Charlotte,
0: who is to me one of the more intriguing teams in the league, not only the Johnson Atlantic, but in the league because Brett Golden has been uh, doing his, his classic, uh, pinky-in-the-brain plan building for mm-hmm. some time, and it seems like they're getting to the edge of paying off. They've added in free agents, uh, free agency relief pitcher Jose Ordonez, um, and they've made uh, trades to bring in a center fielder and second baseman in, in George Lopez and Feliz Albers. Um, in my quick look at their roster slots, it seems like a really nice set of additions for them. Um, in particular, I'm interested in, in Lopez fitting in at their center fielder slot. Um, I don't know if you've looked at them much, but what are, what are your feelings about Charlotte overall? Do you, do you share my, um, my bated breath expectations for them coming into 2046? Or do you think I'm just kind of, uh, out there (laughs) in my guesses?
1: No, I, I think that they've, I think that they're definitely a team, um, that's been, you know, on the rise here. Um, Brett's, you know, definitely, uh, got the plan. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know that they've got quite enough to, well, no, you know, I, I, I think they're I think they're right on the I think they're right on the edge of it. Um, and I'm you know, looking at Jorge Lopez, I think that's a great addition. Um you know, weak weak against lefties, but he's somebody that you you know just plug and play against righties, um, you know, at any outfield position. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh Jorge, Jorge Jose Ordóñez um, is a, a great signing. I was um I was trying to sign him as well, and I probably should have just thrown some more money at him um, because I think that's a good – I think that's a really good deal um, for what he offers as a reliever. Um, yeah. I think he's the kind of guy that you want to go and get 120 innings out of.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. And he's also the kind of guy who's been playing in Atlantic City in some obscurity, in that ballpark makes his number – that ballpark is a highly offensive-minded ballpark. So those um, – you know, high three, mid four ERAs over the past three or four years are probably, um, you know, more league adjusted down in the, um, you know, low threes kind of a range. So I think that's a really solid pickup. Absolutely. Um, kind of overall, if you look at what is coming, because we are we are two um, sims into the free agency period. uh the other important number to me for uh, Charlotte is thirty-three point nine, and that is, uh, to my great mathematical mind, the number of millions of dollars that uh, Brett Golden has left to spend under the salary cap this year. Um, so I'm, uh, uh, he's another guy you put him in Jacksonville together, and both of them may not be done. Um, may not be done buying in the atlantic the other who has some space is charm city but again i can't uh, brandon has been hard to read brandon slock the general manager there as to whether he Mm -hmm. is really building or whether he's contracting so yeah maybe we'll get an answer when we see how much of that he spends
1: yeah uh, definitely looking forward to that answer and and definitely looking forward to what what brett does in charlotte with the rest of those millions of dollars Uh, that's a lot of that's a lot to play with. Um, You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe there's a Feliciano Rafael um, in, uh, in Charlotte's future, kind of round out that uh, round out that rotation. Maybe, Um, you know, there's some more relievers if he wants to kind of uh, build onto a a super bullpen or, um, you know, there you go. There's the, the offense is, doesn't really look like, um, you know, Menzies is maybe the only kind of superstar, if you want to call your, you know, decent hitting shortstop a superstar. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot of holes on this roster, I don't yeah. think.
0: They've got a lot of work day um, players, you know, uh, yeah. uh, lunch pail kind of players who can kind of get things done. And with the right one or two ads, you might see Charlotte jump up pretty quick. Of particularly yeah. in, uh, noted interest inside the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Division is the kind of top. The three of the top four teams, discounting Brooklyn, Brooklyn has added, Brooklyn has added Dwayne Whitley Jr., as we talked about. Uh, Montreal, New Orleans, uh, and Rockville, none of the three have actually added anybody yet. And Rockville may be a little bit strung uh, for cash on the salary cap, so I don't expect them to be very active. Um, so basically what you're seeing in the Atlantic Division, to my way of reading it, is so far the... Reading the tea leaves says the the guys on the bottom are working pretty hard to get to the top, and the guys at the top are have not yet really done anything. Uh, Montreal traded for a bunch of minor leaguers, um, but they're obviously not going to do anything in 2046 as far as that goes. So a very interesting division going on right now.
1: Yeah, I think we could have uh, you know something similar to what we saw last year with uh, with your uh, with your Heartland um, in you know seeing. Six, seven teams just really battling it out all year, and uh, and taking the bulk of the the wild cards. If not, you know, if not all of the wild cards. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm ready to go and <laughs> and um, and assign all the wild cards to the Atlantic. Because let's move into the Johnson Frontier. Uh, we'll we'll sidestep the Heartland for the moment, because the Heartland seems to be kind of super quiet right now. Um. Or maybe we can jump into it real quickly because the only team that has added yet in uh, the offseason is Madison, who have uh, uh, admittedly put together two solid relief pitchers. So, yeah, let's talk about the Heartland. Um, uh, Javier Garcia and Juan Garcia went to Madison uh, this last couple of of cycles. Um, Two solid pitchers going into pitchers' parks. Uh, But I would also say... Uh, Which one is it? Juan Garcia has not actually had, oh, the results, I think, that um, some people have thought that perhaps he should have. Um, What are your thoughts about uh, Mike Simon adding those two relievers? Uh, I guess uh, Juan Garcia is listed as a starter. Hasn't he been relieving mostly, though? Have to look
1: he uh he kind of split actually he started in Des Moines last year and and was mostly a reliever for Louisville okay that makes sense um but uh for the bulk of his career he's mostly pitched in relief um he's definitely uh you know he's the kind of guy that um probably is best suited for relief so that he doesn't have to see too many lefties um but, you know, if you if you did put him in the the rotation, he's, you know, he's probably going to be, you know, one of those mid-fours, uh, mid-four ERA, FIP um, kind of guys, assuming he's, you know, kind of luck, luck neutral. Um, you know, he hasn't really been that um, to this point. Um, and then uh, uh, Javier Garcia... Uh, is is a really interesting pitcher, actually. I uh, admit I've not uh, not really noticed him before, but uh, he's kind of a one pitch uh, he's kind of a one pitch guy here. Yeah, um, that
0: one pitch is a 101 mile, 11 rated fastball. <laughs> so yeah, if you got if yeah. you got to have one pitch, that's the one. He's also got a two two by two changeup, which is always a interesting intellectual conversation as to whether that is actually helpful or not, but. Um, Definitely, uh, and if you look at it from a performance standpoint, um, Javier Garcia's performance has been eh until last year with Nashville when suddenly he was almost unhittable, again, only in 13 innings though. Um, Whereas, um, um, geez, I'm blanking on the name again. Uh, Juan Garcia has been almost kind of the... uh, Juan Garcia has just... His numbers have never matched the eyeball test to his ratings. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see if that change of scenery just shocks him out of it. Um, um, Very painful for Des Moines fans, I think, to have watched (laughs) Juan Garcia (laughs) season over season just not, uh, not work. So... Uh Madison is one of those teams though who in my opinion has been underperforming and part of that could be because of the bruising nature of the Heartland and uh I do believe that the Heartland will start to to uh lose some of its energy. I'm just not sure it's going to be 2046. Um so good uh, hope for good things for uh for Madison at this stage not sure it's gonna make the dent yet.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't think it's enough to uh to to pull to pull Madison to the top of the top of the heartland as, as tough as it is as it is and is gonna be for at least this year. Um yeah. the one so. thing
0: about you know I mentioned the Madison has been kind of sleepy or the Madison geez <laughs> the mm-hmm. Heartland has been kind of sleepy. Uh really the only Teams that have a lot of money to throw around. Uh, again, if my math is right, are Des Moines and Twin Cities. Uh, but Twin Cities has had to eat um, a pretty good chunk of some some cash recently. So Scott McColley has some uh, has some landmines to navigate. I think. Uh, so I'm not really expecting the Heartland to add a whole lot uh, this year, unless Jeff Webb in uh, Des Moines can find some magic. Um, which is definitely possible. I could see that happening. His big problem, though, is not only he's got the salary cap, but he does not really have budget and cash to uh, to utilize it. So he's going to have to do some financial wizardry in order to take advantage of of the cap space that's remaining.
1: Yeah, he's definitely you know in a tough spot. Um, you know, maybe maybe try and find those guys that uh, that'll bring him some fan interest and and sell some tickets and and be good uh, good trade chips to uh, kind of you know build for the future there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not uh, uh, not going to be easy for any team to to move up in the in the heartland for the next year or two.
0: Yeah, and the, the cash situation uh, is an indicator of what I mean when I say I really don't expect the heartland to be moving much right now. And in this league, if your division is not moving and improving, uh, it's going down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we are we are writing the apex there. We are definitely writing the apex in the Heartland. Uh, but these are early indicators or or secondary indicators of uh, why I say I'm expecting that the Heartland is probably got one to two years left in its reign and then. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. But then Long Beach and San Fernando and um, and um, a couple others, uh, Hawaii is is obviously always going to be good. I don't know if they're ever going to be elite, but they're always going to be good. So there's enough teams in the Pacific hanging around that could make things interesting even next year. Um, but, but we shall see. I, I don't foresee a full slate of Heartland wildcard
1: teams next year. No, I would be I'd be very surprised. Um, you know, I think San Fernando is going to be there. Uh, Sacramento might be there. Um, and, uh, you know, with any luck, Long Beach will be back in the picture as well.
0: Oh, I think Long Beach and Hawaii are going to be solid baseball teams uh, without any question before it's all said and done. So let's move on to the Johnson uh, Frontier. Uh, which has actually been one of the more active, uh, groups, uh, six of the eight teams have actually added somebody via trade or signing. Um, where would you like to start with the, with the frontier?
1: Oh, um, you know, I, uh, we can start wherever you'd like and no, none of these names are really, uh, really standing out to me. Um, well,
0: let's start with uh, Mexico City in particular, because what I thought was most interesting. I've got two groups that I, uh, two teams that I think have had the most interesting signings to me, and it's not really players so much as positions. Um, Mexico City has added both Jerry Pacey and brought Scotty Pendleton back, um, starting pitchers, right, and uh, shortstop Joe Montano. And I admit I need to go look up Joe Montano a little bit. Um, but I think Mexico City had a a uh, season that surprised them with their tepidness. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think Mex- I don't think Fred Holmes was expecting his Mexico City Aztecs to struggle quite as much as they did, and um, and so I thought bringing Jerry Pacey in from New Orleans was a pretty strong move. And I think even uh, Jim Roberts posted something about being up upset that he. Uh, lost out on Pacey. Um, and, uh, Scotty Pendleton is always a guy who I like to look at and I ponder why he's not a little bit better than he has been. Um, but at age 35, I think bringing him back for that one, essentially a two year, $2 million contract. Cause one assumes that Scotty Pendleton will not opt out at 30 age 36. Um, Kind of suggests to me that Fred Holmes is focusing on his pitching uh, more than more than anything else.
1: Yeah, um, I I feel like that's kind of been uh, been his mo uh, for a while. You know, especially uh, it's probably something to do with uh, the rain in Mexico City. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Pendleton, yeah, Pendleton's a he's a fine pitcher. He's uh, you know somebody uh, somebody who's definitely you know, you want on, you want for a $2 million deal. You know, you don't want to spend much more than that for somebody who's, who's going to be 36 when the season starts and, and who's, you know, not had that, not had that good ERA for a few years now. Um, but, uh, you definitely, you know, you can definitely see the familiarity aspect, uh, being contributing factor there. Um, and Jerry Pacey, um, who, you know, I, I look at, I look at him and I think you know wow he's been uh he's been better than than I would expect um, based on his uh based on his ratings there but uh you know that's uh you see guys like that um, yeah. yeah definitely and, uh and it's definitely you know it's a good it's good contract for somebody who can for somebody who can who, who's a you know let's say a proven starter uh, you know, not a, not an ace, not a number one, but, uh, somebody who, you know, is going to give you some innings and, and, uh, put up a decent, uh, ERA, especially with those, uh, you know, Ironman in- injury proneness. Right.
0: No, that's the, I love the contract, uh, 5 million a year for two years. And then a couple of team options that, um, that you can opt into if you want. I think it's a fantastic contract. Um, if I look at Mexico City's overall situation, again, it feels to me like uh, they have quite a bit of cap space left that they can go out. And uh, you've mentioned the name Feliciano Rafael. It makes me ponder, you know, Jerry Pacey looks a lot nicer if you can make him a number three, number four kind of a guy rather than a number two, number three. Um, add a Feliciano Rafael at the top of that, uh, which I don't know that that really fits um the numbers that you're going to have to spend to get Feliciano Rafael are pretty high. That doesn't necessarily fit my feeling of a Fred Holmes deal, um, but boy, he fits. He would fit really nicely into that rotation, and you could see a. Uh, if I'm reading his temperature right, you could see a pretty rapid um, uh, swing at this stage. So, and Jose Montano, I think, is uh, fitting the whole mindset of defense that. Uh, you know, to me, Fred Holmes is about contact and defense um, and as much pitching as you can build around that. So um, not surprising signing once I look at it a little bit. I just hadn't looked at it. It's another yeah, nice small sure. number.
1: Yeah, he uh, definitely. The definitely other most
0: awesome. interesting signing to me, and there's probably a couple that could be added here, but I really liked the ad of Tony Alomar for El Paso. Um I think Tony Alomar is a is a um fine pitcher and I thought it was interesting to read uh Nigel Laverick's commentary on the site about uh possibly taking him out of the rotation and making him one of those big inning stoppers. I'm not certain that's a bad idea. I'm not certain that's a good idea. Um he has had a lot of success in both a uh, reliever's role and a starter's role at age 36. I just don't know what, I don't know the the right way to use him, but at $5 million, $6 million a pop for a couple years and a team option, uh, this might be a guy who really plays well with the Sizemore-Cole kind of a rotation and makes me wonder whether you're going to see El Paso take a very large step up this year if Cole is successful in his uh, conversion. So I, I, that may be, he's, Alamar um, is not the best player being signed this year without any question, but it might be the kind of signing that is the most important one in El Paso's near term history.
1: Yeah. I, I think when you've got you know Phil Cole, who who you've got to assume is going to be up at some point in April, um, and and Sizemore uh, to head the rotation. You know you don't have to stress too much about uh, you know who's who's three through five. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think Alomar is a is a, a fine pitcher. Um, I I would be a little worried about the the movement um, in El Paso in that ballpark, um, and I. Don't know that he's got the stamina to, to really be a big, uh, big, big innings guy out of the bullpen. But uh, I think you know if you're signing him uh, with the idea that you know you're getting a, a, a pitcher who's coming off of a bad down year, which is probably you know the 6.37 ERA is is definitely not uh, you know at, you know out of Twin Cities. That's not uh, that's not who he is. Yeah. Um, more than likely. Yeah. Um so, you know, I th- I think it's a it's a fine piece to add on and and definitely you know, yeah. like yeah, I said, you've got Phil Cole and, and Sizemore for that. Yeah, rotation. your your
0: point about him in Mexico City's uh, park is well made. Um and especially as a lefty facing right-handed batters is a little bit dangerous. So there is an argument for keeping him in the pin and finding him. Uh, times where he can have more of the platoon factor advantage because his movement against lefties is um, naturally a little bit better than his movement against righties. Um, So I don't know, just a very intriguing signing. I just, I like the signing. I like the thought pattern behind it. So um, there, for what it's worth, there is that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You got to wonder if, you know if he if Nigel was looking for uh looking to add david Simpson you know get himself a a nice strong bat yeah. um in the outfield uh or you know or if he might be after uh Feliciano Rafael to uh you know kind of add yeah. on to that rotation
0: he might but the money is gonna be tight for him on, on that kind of a signing. it kind of depends if he could get creative in the contracting mm-hmm. aspect yeah uh the other thing that rolls into into mind there um of all the teams in the or all the divisions in the league, uh really the Frontier and to a less to the equal extent the Pacific uh have a lot of teams with a lot of cash available, right? Um you know, I just mentioned Mexico City's got a big pile of cash that they can still spend. Um uh, uh Matt in Las Vegas has something over forty million he can spend if he wants, and he's already brought in a, a shortstop in Robert Franklin. Um, Phoenix has $38 million, if my math is right. And Phoenix added another intriguing player in second baseman and walk machine, Mark Wareham, um, who I don't know if he can still actually contribute in the field, but as long as he can keep walking at the rate he does is worth some worth a contract.
1: <laughs> oh, especially for under $3 million.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you've got San Antonio, who's added a reliever in Jose Ramos. Uh, in San Antonio, I think Mike Calrusso has got to be trying to figure out what happened last year. He even made that great <laughs> what-the-hell-happened post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was intrigued to see that Calgary has brought uh, made a, a deal that brought them uh, Ignacio Venegas uh, as a shortstop, who's a guy who I've, who I've always liked, uh, even though I don't think he's like a major impact guy. I've liked him since, uh, oh, was it Alan, he used to write the – the team news is about I gas and so forth. Um, and a uh, center fielder in Naruhiko Sato. Um, at the end of the day, the frontier is, like I said, the division where in reality, there's been the most activity, um, which probably makes sense because they've got a lot of pretty, they the top end has been very racy and competitive for the past couple of years. Um, and the bottom end um, has been, I th- think, underperforming. And then you add in El Paso, who seems to be ready to, to try to run really soon now. Uh, so there's a lot of Dyson going on in that division. Um, what, are your, what are you expecting as we get into the next couple of sims? You've mentioned uh, Raphael. In El Paso, um, where do you think that the frontier is going to be going here? We haven't even seen Boise jump in yet. Um, Edmonton may be having a little bit of trouble from a cap standpoint, so I don't expect them to be doing much unless they make some deals. Um, But I think the shootout with Vegas, Mexico City, and Phoenix, um, and Charm City, Uh, we'll see what happens there, but we've talked about Charlotte has a lot of cash left to spend. Valencia's got a lot of cash left to spend, but we're not sure what they're trying to do there. Um, There's four or five teams here who have a bunch of cash. Um, Felicia Rafael uh, Rafael is out there. Miguel Ramos. Miller Younger is a guy who I was actually expecting to see Uh, will probably end up fetching more than what he's asking for right now. I'm intrigued in what's going to happen with Daryl Pris. Uh, really solid shortstop who's still out there, and shortstops are are um, difficult to <laughs> difficult to come by sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, any thoughts for what you see happening over the next couple of sims? Any predictions? Any any far out there things? Where do you think Felicio Rafael? gee, many Christmas. Feliciano <laughs> Rafael will end up.
1: I don't know where he'll end up um i mean you probably you're probably looking at um you know I, I if i had to if i had to give a God, i think somewhere in the johnson i think there's i think there's money and motivation um in the Johnson more so than um, than in the frick um you know i there's a lot of as you've been saying there's a lot of money um you know the guys in the Atlantic are should be you know, that have the calf space should be really motivated to grab him to kind of give him the extra boost there. Um, And, uh, you know, any one of the, the four, five teams in the frontier, Vegas, um, El Paso, uh, Calgary that are, you know, kind of on the bubble there. um, You could easily see them um, making a move. Um, He's, you know, Far and away, you know now the the best remaining pitcher on the market. Um, so you've got to, you've really got to wonder, um, you know, how that's going to push his <laughs> push his contract up. Um, you know, there you go. <laughs> well,
0: I think that pretty well pretty well runs us through all of the divisions. Um, like we said earlier on, early. Uh, early to midway through the whole process, um, I feel like I'm looking at one of those old-time internet JPEGs, JPEGs that would come in, you know, take five seconds for the whole image to build. So you see the first uh, first couple of colors roll in and pixelation sets in, and then pretty soon uh, the reality starts to show. So I feel like we're about two seconds through the five seconds of that. Um, but... Very interesting things going on,
1: yeah, yeah, it's gonna be um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of these plus guys that aren't superstars um but are are you know well above average um good players to add and and there's enough money left over to uh to see them get signed so um so give know, me the maybe,
0: give me the inside scoop who are the surfers gonna sign this sim
1: Oh, you know, I I don't know that the surfers are going to make another big splash. Um we've got uh we've got our eye on uh on another reliever. Um but uh you know, that's uh that's about it. We uh we definitely have some cap to spend, but uh um I really haven't uh really haven't decided what we're going to what we're going to spend it on. You know, I'm I'm well uh I'm well documented as as being a believer in in spending right to the cap um so i'd better i'd better find something to i'd better find something to spend it on so i uh, think you're sandbagging be, uh, on all hypocrite. the rumors
0: you're sandbagging on <laughs> all the rumors that uh, feliciano rafael has been searching for houses in long beach so
1: <laughs> i you know i i i i think he i think he really enjoyed his uh his time in long beach and uh you know Maybe he maybe he wants to come back and and prove to the fans that he's uh, He'd he's better than uh, that 5.33 ERA he had in in Long Beach. There you go. He'd probably
0: take a uh, a pseudo hometown discount. Right? I
1: would hope so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Stephen, thanks for spending your time here this evening with me. Um, been a, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the rest of the uh, of the off
1: season here. So. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ron. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association, every day. Music is Bold Statement, available at besleyinstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you, again tomorrow.